This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Mind Love, Episode 6. Today's episode is all about how to have your healthiest breakup ever. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. I hope you all had an amazing Christmas. Today is the day after Christmas, and statistically, a good number of you may be going through some breakups. According to some beautifully tedious data analysis of Facebook status updates by a really smart but probably really bored data journalist named David McCandles, the number of romantic splits starts to increase just after Halloween and spikes in the two weeks leading up to Christmas. So why on earth would people break up right before the holidays? Other than the obvious of avoiding having to buy that Christmas gift with a bit too hefty of a price tag. Well, first of all, expectations are high around the holidays. For example, I do believe my husband knows the consequences of not getting the Apple Watch that's on my list. Just kidding. But if I don't respond to emails after this, it's because I didn't get it and I'm in a dark place. The second may be due to high family pressures. It can be a lot for a new relationship especially, having to meet all the crazies in your family. I know it's a lot for mine. My family literally does practical jokes on everyone I bring home, including pouring water down their pants through a funnel. Google the funnel trick, you'll see what I mean. It's awful, don't repeat it. And the last thing can be year-end reflection. A big part of deciding your New Year's resolutions is to reflect on the year before. And part of that can be reflecting on your relationship, what went well and what didn't, and really weighing the pros and cons. But whatever the reason is, statistically, we aren't handling this very well. Three out of four people say they think about their ex too much. And this includes married people. Half of all people say that thinking about their ex either keeps them from finding new love or interferes with their current relationship. And thanks to social media, most of these people are stalking their ex on Facebook. And for all you infomercial lovers out there, it's got me thinking. There's gotta be a better way. And there is. It's called conscious uncoupling. The first time most people, including myself, heard of the term conscious uncoupling was from Gwyneth Paltrow when she split from her ex, Chris Martin. That was in 2014, and today they're going strong as a conscious uncouple. He lives across the street. Apparently, he's more than welcome to be with them whenever he wants, although they don't live together. And she feels like he's more like a brother than an ex-lover. How in the world did they accomplish that? According to Gwynny, it's all because of conscious uncoupling. The term comes from a book by the same name, you guessed it, Conscious Uncoupling. 
by psychotherapist and author Catherine Woodward Thomas. She specializes in the art of completion and describes it as a proven success for lovingly completing a relationship that will leave you feeling whole and healed and at peace. Wow, goals, dudes. I've never felt whole or healed or at peace after a breakup. For like months. How in the world? Personally, I'm a firm believer in a clean breakup. I think that the healthiest thing you can do is to go at least three months with zero contact. But sometimes that's just not possible. Maybe you were married and you have kids. Maybe you still work together or have mutual friends. In those cases, then what do you do? Well, hopefully we're ready to figure that shit out. Today we'll be talking to the amazing Diane Ferguson. She's a transformational life coach. She actually specializes in coaching people through the five stages of conscious uncoupling as developed by Catherine Woodward. Diane's own story of love, loss, and heartache is what got her interested in conscious uncoupling in the first place. Because there's got to be a better way than just wallowing in our own self-pity and creating fake Instagram accounts to obsessively stalk our exes online, as fun as that may be. So today, three key things you will learn are the most common things that make everything worse that you're probably doing, the five steps to a super healthy conscious breakup, and a few actionable exercises to help you step onto that single runway a little more like Gwyneth and a little less like Brangelina. But first, let's dive into Diane's story. Sure. Thanks, Melissa. And let me just start out by saying how grateful I am for your interest in this topic because I just really feel like it is and has the power to to really make deep shifts in, in how we relate and the success of relationships overall. So, so I'm really excited to be talking about this. So how I got into this, um, you know, I'm... Just to start with, I'm one of those people that has been interested in happiness. What does it take to be happy? I've been wondering about that since I was 11, I have to tell you. So I um, just have been on a journey of growth and and exploration since then. I've done a lot of different things in my life just to try to answer that question. Um, You know, that's included a lot of therapy, and and I went really deeply into meditation and mindfulness at at one point, and, and still do. But you know when when life really in, really started to clarify this question for me was when I was 40. I got into the happiest relationship of my life. I mean, it was perfect. It was ideal. It was everything I ever wanted. I felt safe and loved and validated and seen. We were highly compatible. We had a lot of fun. You know, we were living together. We were planning a wedding. And when I was 45, he came home one night, or actually I came home from work, sat down on the couch, and he told me he wanted to end the relationship. And I had had absolutely no warning whatsoever. And even as I tell you that, I can sort of remember that moment, I can feel my heart beating. Um, And, uh, you know, he told me he wanted to leave that night, and he did, he was gone within an hour. And this was, the most devastating, earth-shattering moment of my entire life. You know, I had no idea what had just happened. So I will never forget that night, you know, just sitting there on this couch, wondering what in the world just happened. And the only thing that I could do 
there, I had no fight in me. I was in such shock. The only thing I could do was surrender. So I, I, I actually said this out loud. I'll never forget it. I, I said, you know, God, universe, whatever's out there, higher self. I'm not even sure what's out there that's listening to me. But whatever it is I, I haven't been listening to or paying attention to, I, you got my attention. I'm listening. I'm here. I'm showing up. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it. So that, you know, so, so getting into this relationship was, was, was a turning point, but then this was an even bigger turning point. And, you know, the next couple of years were some of the most difficult in my life, but they were also the most transformative. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mindlove. Oh, geez, that sounds like it sucks so bad. Seriously. Most of us end up in a bad relationship and we know it's bad. We can see all the signs. But to just be planning a wedding and come home and, and be blindsided like that, that must have been awful. So how did that experience lead you into conscious uncoupling? Well, first of all, you know, as you can imagine, I went off looking. I mean, I'm someone who's been in therapy. I've done things before. I went off looking for support. I thought for sure I'd be able to find some kind of support group or somebody who specialized in this kind of experience. And I had a really hard time finding anybody. So I got through this mostly just, you know, through the support of good friends. Um, the other thing that I learned was, and, and this is something that I've seen over and over and over since I've been doing this work, is, you know, one of the main ways that I had 
lost my own way was by abandoning myself, losing my connection to myself. So that's part of what made this so difficult was, you know, not only did I lose the relationship, but I felt like I'd lost myself. This is something I can really relate to because with almost all of my exes, I never really let them into my life as much as I just kind of molded into theirs. For me, this was a way to emotionally guard myself because then it was easier for me to leave when I wanted instead of having to say, I need my space now, can you go home? And I didn't have to worry about them coming to future Christmas parties because they had become friends with all my friends. But the downside is, when the breakup happens, you're left wondering what to do with yourself. After all, I was used to hanging out with all of his friends. I was used to doing all the things that he did. And now, if I did any of those things, I'd be the crazy stalker ex-girlfriend. Not that I wasn't tempted. So we get it. Breakups are awful. And some people even equate the pain of a breakup to that of the loss of a loved one. So then why does it seem that humans are hardwired to suffer so deeply when it comes to separating from someone we love? You know, there is a lot of just actual research out there that shows you know, the, that, that we are hardwired for connection. Human beings are, are hardwired for connection. So what, you know, all these things happen when we become intimate with someone. You know, neural pathways get created. Our nervous systems actually sync up. So we're, when, when we separate from those intimate bonds, and especially if they've been in place for a long period of time, we're talking about now having to undo neural pathways and unsync our nervous system from someone else's. So it's, it's physiologically, it's a very stressful uh, effect on the body. And then of course, you know, emotionally, it's just this really deep loss, of course it is, of feeling loved and connected and safe. And then, you know, I don't know how much this was part of your experience, but but I do see this very often you know, most of us just don't have good role models around relationships. And so most of us have, have lost ourselves to some degree. We've gotten lost in the we or the other person. And so that means we kind of lost a piece of ourselves too. Now, what about gender differences? I've read studies that men suffer more than women for breakups, but I've also read that women suffer much more deeply than men. I think, honestly, we all probably suffer fairly equally, depending on the person. But are there ways in which women experience a breakup or divorce differently than men do? There certainly are men who lose themselves in a relationship, but, but it really is more common, just very generalizing, it's more common you know, for women to have given themselves over. I'm thinking of a particular client that I work, have been working with over the past year. And so, you know, she had given 20 years of her life to helping her, to, to basically putting her life on hold while her husband built a business. And so, you know, what happens though in that kind of situation is, you know, we don't realize, we think we're being really generous and certainly she did, thought she was being generous and loving and as supportive as possible, but we're actually, diluting the intimacy of the connection and we're not being authentic and both partners ultimately feel that and so in this case her husband ultimately asked for a divorce you know for whatever reason he was not feeling satisfied in the relationship anymore and now now where my client found herself was in this place of just really deep resentment and anger because she'd given up 20 years of her life now 
you know, some level of, of anger and resentment is, is, is appropriate and healthy. So, so let's make that clear. Some level is appropriate and healthy, but the problem, and I see this happen for women is when we get stuck in that. Um, so then we have to find a way to, to, to reframe, um, to reframe the whole experience in a way that's actually going to free us up from that resentment and anger. So a great way to look at this is, okay, I've just lost myself in this relationship, but now the universe is offering me the experience to refine myself, re-dive into the things I love to do. Maybe it's a yoga class or surfing or art classes or just hanging out with your own friends more. But interestingly enough, women are also more likely to be the person that tries to take care of the man after the breakup. Go figure. And it all has to do with our innate drive to nurture. And I guess this is the downside of our maternal instinct. Most of us who've been through a breakup have experienced that moment when a partner, former partner calls us up and says, I just, I just really need some companionship, some support, some company. And you know, it, that, that the female partner might be more inclined to offer that up. And I think that is just a very, what I talk about with clients is it's a slippery slope because you know what you really don't want it if, if if you know the divorce and the direction you're moving in is a foregone conclusion it really is in our best interest just to move forward with rewiring those neural pathways and 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 going moving forward with the separation right so we don't prolong it so we really do want to avoid um, coming back together and i'm just going to name this you know because it's just something that comes up right and and in intimate relationships you know one thing we do really want to avoid is being physically or sexually intimate because again research shows just how bonding that is so it's really just gonna put everybody you know back multiple steps in the process so so those are a couple things that with women clients that I feel are important to work with I've been there before and part of it is really just if I'm being completely honest with myself feeling special that he's still attached to me or or maybe I'm not ready to let go and I just want to feel that bond one more time but regardless I it often leaves me feeling like I have some sort of responsibility towards this person's feelings and so regardless of which side I'm on it normally just leads to more pain so now comes this new framework of conscious uncoupling what is the difference between somebody who decides to consciously uncouple versus traditional breakup or divorce you know i think we all know this the reality is that divorce rates in the u.s are at about 50 percent and they're way higher in europe they are lower in some countries but the bottom line is you know divorce is more acceptable today so that's probably just quite simply one of the reasons people get divorces more often People also talk about the fact that, you know, women are more financially independent. So that might be a reason, too. But I, I don't claim to be an expert in the why. I just know that if it's happening this often, we need to change the paradigm. You know, there's no reason we can't do this in a way that honors what we had together over the time that we had that, that really deeply protects our children and that sets us all up for success going forward. So we can do this in this conscious, intentional, loving way. And it's a new paradigm. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've talked a lot about how painful it can be when somebody breaks up with you, especially in your case, unexpectedly. But what if you're in a relationship and you don't feel like it's going so well? How do you know when it's time to consciously uncouple versus trying your hand at therapy? So, you know, as I mentioned, I got into this dream relationship at 40 that totally fell apart and then took me years of um, trying to unwind what in the world happened and you know even when I was in this relationship that I thought was really happy I had no idea I had no clue how I was showing up and the ways that were unhealthy and the ways that were sabotaging the connection um and you know and again it's like I said earlier I mean most of us have not had good relationship modeling and it's not something that gets taught in school so unless you're someone who's unusually interested in reading a lot of books, you know, most of us don't or innocently don't know. So, so this is the challenge is, you know, we are all bringing childhood experiences, childhood coping mechanisms, our conditioning, our beliefs, we're bringing that to our relationships. And most of the time, we, we don't know what they are. We don't know how they're affecting or co-creating this dynamic. And so what can happen is if we do the work and get really clear on how we're showing up, it's possible that that can completely change how we feel about and how we show up in this relationship that we're in. Now, it can also go the other way equally, right? We can all of a sudden have all this clarity and say, oh, wow, now I really understand this relationship isn't right for me. So I so just really recommend that whatever you know, if, if you if you have not done the work to look at how you personally, individually are showing up in that relationship, that is that really needs to be done before you make that decision. And this is so true for every area in life. You have to take responsibility for how you are showing up, even in situations where the blame seems obvious. We are all ultimately responsible for the energy that we surround ourselves with. So even if that means that you need to step away from a relationship or a friendship or a bad boss, there are always steps you can take for yourself. And if you ever read the book, The Secret or The Power by Rhonda Byrne, she even goes as far as saying when a relationship isn't going your way to give even more love to it. And that makes a lot of sense because if I'm in a relationship and my husband isn't giving me the things that I need, how am I expected to be motivated enough to give him the love he needs? Somebody's got to be the bigger person here. It's just amazing how how we create what's happening in our lives with no idea that we're doing that. And, And I think you can look at that at these very micro and macro 
very spiritual and very practical way. So it works all across the spectrum. But but here's this very micro and practical way is, I, in my experience, I even if you had the happiest of families, something probably happened. And it seems to me it usually happens sometime between three and five. Something happens and it's painful or it's scary. And our little three, four, five-year-old mind makes a decision about that and comes up with some kind of coping mechanism and you know what most of us for the rest of our lives continue to act out that coping mechanism and I mean I'll just share here here's what I learned about myself I um, as an adult um, you know had always felt very sensitive to being left out to being rejected to not being liked and so this is a very old pattern for me and there were ways in which in my home for whatever reason I, I didn't feel really seen or validated or heard a lot um, so I imagine you know I don't know what age three four or five my little self said wow this is really painful when people seem to push me away or won't listen to me, don't see me, seem to not like me. So I, I think I'm just not going to show up. I think I'm going to step back. I had no idea that I was acting out this pattern. And then I, I started to notice, you know, whether I'm making a new friendship or when I was dating, which is worst of all, I had this pattern of holding myself back and potentially even being distant. And so then what happens is when I do that, when I show up and I'm being distant, or I actually just start withdrawing because I got scared. Now the other person feels that, and guess what happens? They pull back. And then I decide, oh, see, they don't like me. They're rejecting me. They're pulling back. So it's really smart that I, um, you know, pulled back first. And, and it's smart that I predicted that. And this is, and then I'm kind of confirming this pattern and I'm confirming my coping mechanism, which actually created the problem. Wow, it's just crazy when we unwind these things. So we like to all think that we're these unique and logical creatures, which is partially true. But the bigger truth is that we're a bunch of neural connections and neural pathways and habits that go unnoticed for most of our lives until we do the work to make the changes. And with breakups, that starts with the five steps to emotional freedom. And the first step is all about finding that emotional freedom, learning to harness the intensity of the emotions you're feeling and transform them from something destructive into a more constructive and positive energy. The essence of step one is learning how to self-soothe and how to be with really big, scary, uncomfortable feelings. I mean, this is so important because if we can't be with these big feelings and we're always avoiding them, it's very difficult to do this work. And, and then what we do in step one is set the stage, which, which we have to do by making a decision that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a healing and transformative experience out of this. So we really do have to make that choice. For whatever reason, when I think of self-soothing, I think of thumb-sucking and chocolate ice cream. But what are some less weird and less fattening methods of self-soothing. It's a practice, and, it, and it, a practice that takes practice um, of learning to feel safe. So, so you, you sort of want to take this incrementally, but it's, it's you know, can you, um, can you get still for a moment and just allow yourself to, to feel what's actually what's actually happening. And this is difficult to do. These are 
difficult, uncomfortable feelings that we want to run from. So it can be, it can be much easier to do with somebody who's sitting with you. So I, I do recommend that if the feelings are really big. And you know, the next best thing is actually listening to a guided audio. It can sort of feel like somebody is there with you, rather than trying to sit there. Um, just with these feelings by yourself, but really what we want to do is uh, You know use the, the body and use the breath the breath is extremely, you know, the thing is Once we get comfortable with these big feelings which takes time we learn that it's actually just energy You know you can actually just feel it as energy moving through your body and the way we can shift energy in our body Think about when you're nervous or you're excited and you just naturally breathe more deeply and you're actually releasing this energy. So you can really use deep breathing as a way to help the, these big feelings just kind of discharge from the body. And we also can use breathing just to stay really present. You want to just stay as focused in the moment, not letting your mind go back into the past um, and just focusing on the fact that you're safe. And, and discharging these feelings, letting them come up and discharging them with breathing through your body. The other thing that can be very, very powerful, so this is a, a practice called Tonglen, is you know you, you, you breathe in and you breathe in love, so you can just hold, what does that mean? It's just an intention, I'm just, I'm just gonna breathe in love to myself. And I'm gonna breathe out a blessing to everybody who might be feeling similar difficult feelings and you know the amazing thing is when we just take that step of including other people's suffering with our own it just suddenly broadens our perspective we don't feel so alone we know other people are going through this too and it doesn't feel quite so scary Diane has created a free self-soothing audio for the listeners of the Mind Love podcast which I will link to in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 006 and when you're done listening to that, step two is about reclaiming your power and your life. So as we discussed before, rather than obsessively thinking about all the little things your ex did to you, you have to look inside to figure out the role you played in what happened between you both. You know, when we're in pain, it's very tempting to hang out in blame and anger and resentment. It's tempting, it's human nature, there's, there's no shame in it, but the problem with it is we're giving away our power. You know, as long as we're focused on someone else and what they did wrong, we're A, gonna feel horrible, we're gonna feel angry, infuriated, and powerless, that's the key, because we can't do anything about that other person or the choices they made. So the way that we reclaim our power is by coming back to ourselves in whatever way we can. How do I come back to myself? And how do I come back to how I showed up? You know, it's not letting the other person off the hook in any way, if they behaved badly, because that happens. But it's just where our power is and where our healing is. Step three is all about breaking the pattern and beginning the process of healing. Sigmund Freud called our tendency to repeat the deepest hurts of our childhood, repetitive compulsion. And this is about as useful as playing Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart on repeat. So you can think of this like turning off the song and making a new playlist or developing new healthier patterns to move on to.
after we've created enough safety and stability and and have a sense of your own power, now you're ready to do some really life-changing inquiry. And this is where we go back to those, how am I showing up in this relation, how relationship, and how am I co-creating this dynamic? And and what, you know, what would life feel like? What would a relationship feel like if I were able to show up differently? So now that you've done all the inner work of steps one through three, you're ready to move outwards and decide what kind of relationship you want to have with your ex moving forward. Some people might just never want to see that person again, but others, it's not that easy. There's other kids involved, or they work together, or they have mutual friends, so they need a different solution. Here's where you need to become a love alchemist. So, so now that I've you know, really looked at my part, it's much easier to start considering how do I want to relate to my former partner? And are there any amends that I want to make? Um, you know, anything I want to own up to, anything I want to acknowledge, apologize for. Um, but we can't do that prematurely, right? We have to feel safe. We have to feel empowered. We have to really have a lot of self-compassion and self-love and see how we showed up. And so the problem is when people try to have, you know, ha- have a relationship with the ex too soon, um, it, it can just really backfire if we don't, if we aren't really feeling stable and safe and secure and clear. So now we can really have a very healthy, productive conversation, um, you know, if, if this situation allows for that. And not all do. In some cases, that's not possible. But even when that's not possible, we can still make decisions about how I want to show up. And now you're ready for step five, to create your happy even after. And this is where it gets exciting because the goal isn't just to try to create a better version of what you once had, but actually expand your horizons to your ideals. What's the best case scenario for the both of you? There's just so much potential in step five, depending on you know what people choose and what what's of what's possible in their lives. I highly and all of us coaches highly recommend a, some kind of ritual that celebrates the relationship that you had and the process of moving through it. So, you know, for some people it's appropriate to do that alone, and others might do it with a partner, and some might even do it in a community. But it's 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 a really important way just to mark this experience and this turning point. What are some rituals you recommend to finalize the end of a relationship? Or what have you heard other couples doing? So, you know, uh, at one end of the spectrum, you know, there are, there's the, the, for some people, they don't feel like there's really the capacity to do that with somebody. And so, you know, that might be um, writing up some sort of, um, acknowledgement and thank you and setting a stage a little altar to honor yourself and the relationship you had you know and with with whatever helps um, make that feel honoring it might be in a certain place it might be certain items and there may you know there may be some journaling and some releasing often a symbol of releasing is I'm going to write something and I'm going to burn it so I think and that's kind of an example of what people sort of typically picture but it really can be anything and so I had a client so she had gained this passion with her partner of going backpacking she'd never gone backpacking before but they had done it together and it had felt really empowering and amazing to her but and you know now he had moved on and so what she decided to do was go on a solo backpacking trip 
Uh, and so she was honoring this this gift she'd gained from him, but kind of taking it a step further by going on this trip by herself. So she planned this special place and this trip and a little ceremony when she got to a certain a certain place. And then, you know, where a situation allows, if two people are willing to do something together, you know, that is really powerful. And I am happy to say I had this incredibly painful breakup, but there was a point at which my partner was willing and available to do this with me. And so we had this really beautiful ceremony where we just really honored what each person had brought to the relationship, what we had given each other, just just really naming that out loud. And we brought together just symbols of the the times that we had enjoyed together. Um, and, And then, you know, ended it with just a prayer for each other's happiness. So we just chose to do that together. And I think, and then at the, all the way at the other end of the spectrum, I, I was reading an article in, in some Bay Area newspaper recently or some journal um, about this. But so, you know, now that this is becoming more of a popular concept, there was a couple that invited their whole community to a beach to witness them honoring each other and saying their goodbyes. Um, Gosh, it just makes me so, I just feel so moved thinking that that people are, that that's even possible for people these days rather than the old paradigm. That sounds so much healthier than convincing him I'm pregnant with a fake Father's Day card. Wow, mind blown. This is obviously subjective all the way around, but what are some clues that you may be ready to have a real friendship with your ex? First of all, as long as we're still thinking about getting back together with that person, it's 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 definitely a very bad idea because again what's going to happen is you know even just talking even just coming back together you know even in just the smallest amount is going to rekindle some of that bond and again if this is a foregone conclusion that you really are moving apart it's just going to hurt more and hurt longer so you know really just Use your friends, use your family, whatever you can to avoid that impulse to come back together and to say no when when the other one asks. Um, So that's one sign. If there's any impulse towards um, wanting to get back together, but equally the opposite of the spectrum applies. If you're still feeling angry and resentful, uh, that means it's still you're still just very deeply in the healing phase. So there's no blame or shame for having those feelings. It just means you're still integrating. You're still working through them. Um, so so if you are still feeling that anger and and resentment, you know, again that's 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 fuel for your healing and your transformation process. But it is a sign not to come back together yet. But you know once you've accepted that it's over and and you're not coming back together and you've forgiven yourself and you've forgiven the other and there's kind of a sense of just acceptance with what is and the ability to honor how that each person showed up to the best of their ability then you know you're ready to come back together well i'm sensing some super healthy pattern shifts right now if you're thinking about or going through a difficult breakup or divorce Or even if you just haven't let some things go from the past, we have some great freebies for you. Diane has prepared two free guided audios, one self-soothing exercise that guides you and teaches you how to self-soothe yourself. And the second free audio is a guided meditation that focuses on the ways we get distracted and lost and how to come back to ourselves. 
Both of those are available on Diane's website, which I will link to in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 006. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button. And if you have a free moment to leave a review, that's the most helpful for me in growing this podcast. And if there's anything I can improve on, tweet at me at mindlovemelissa. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.